If you would please open up your Bibles uh, to Hebrews chapter 4, we will be picking back up where we left off last week. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one right there on the pew, and if you don't, just look to your left or right, someone will hand you a Bible, and if there's everyone needs a Bible, then just the usher will be happy to bring it to you as well, just raise your hand. Entering as rest is our, our topic today because we don't do topics. We just continue to teach the, the word verse by verse, chapter by chapter. It just happens to be these 11 verses that we're taking today is all around God's rest. Yes, you're saved. You're saved. Oh, you're going to heaven. You know it. But you haven't experienced his rest as a Christian. You're still in turmoil. You still doubts are just overflowing and and flooding in your minds and and uncertainties in so many ways. And you're just like, is this what it means to be a Christian? No, it is just the first step. Now we want you to go to the the next step with Christ to completely trust him. Where he is guiding your life in his presence and you are at rest. You're at peace of walking day by day, even though there's turmoil and chaos going around your life, death and changes and loss of job. I mean, there's a lot of crazy things going on in your life, I know. But when you're walking with Jesus, you still are in his rest. You still are in his peace. And that's where you should be. If not, I pray after you hear his word, you will enter into his rest. Because here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, it's a therefore, which is always looking forward prior to what we covered, that covers what he's about to say. And it's really, if you take your eyes to chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, it's a connection. Remember, there's no Bible uh, chapters and verses. This is a letter. It continues. It's a flow here of this letter. And last week we covered 18 and 19. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who do not obey. So we see that they could not enter in because of what? Unbelief. Therefore, verse 1 of chapter 4, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So here are the writer of, to the Hebrew believers is saying those who could not enter into the promised land, those who could not enter into the rest of what the promise of God gave to them, it was purely their own fault. Not the giants in the land, not the uncertainties and, oh, I don't know if I can move again. I don't want to move again. We've moved many times. Yes, they've been, we're moving for 40 years in the desert. They got sick and tired of it. So none of those reasons was it is because of unbelief. They did not believe God's word. Why do you not experience God's rest? Why do we not experience his promises and, 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 and have this peace of God that's beyond our own understanding, the Bible says? Because of unbelief. Not your unbelief of your parents, not unbelief of your children, not unbelief of any. Your unbelief in God's word. You refuse to believe what the word of God has given us. That's it. That's the reason. 
So don't say, I, I, I'm ex- fully experiencing this Christian walk if you have unbelief in the Word of God. Now you notice, I didn't say unbelief in just the Old Testament. Or unbelief in just the New Testament. Or unbelief in just certain things or certain verses in the, in the Bible. No, the Scripture is all inherent, it's all truth, and it's all from God. And, and once you get that settled, it will help you with your unbelief in the Word of God. It's that simple. Not always easy. Don't get me wrong. It's not always easy. Because you have so many things that we see in the Scripture, your flesh gets in the way. Because the Word kind of contradicts some of the things you really want to do. Which goes against the Word. That's a toughie for you. Or it could be Satan himself and demonic forces that are actually trying to stop you from growing in your knowledge and understanding and taking steps of faith to do what God's called you to do. Because Satan doesn't want you to be blessed by God. Do you know God wants to bless you as a, as a child of his? You know, if you're a grandparent, I mean, it really comes to true. And if you're a new, a new parent, it, it's true, right? You have a new parent. You can't wait to buy something for that child, to bless that child with something. But as a grandparent, it gets tenfold. Everybody's like, we're going to go see the grandkids. And it's like, are we able to get in the car because all the stuff you bought in the car does not allow us to get our luggage in there? I mean, I mean, you can't help but want to go bless those you love. But your Heavenly Father wants to bless you. Do you know that? He doesn't look to look for you for find your faults and trying to wait for you to, with the, the spoon to correct you. That is the last resort. He's looking to bless you and to fulfill your life according to the plan that he has for you because he created you for his will and purpose. Now, you, some of you may not believe that right now, but that's what keeps you from his rest. That's why God has brought you here today so you can understand but he, this writer here says, therefore, a promise remains. That's a very important in your Bibles, if you're underlining. A promise remains of entering his rest. There is a promise for you and I. As a believer, you can have that rest. You may sit there and go, I'll never have that rest. Well, that's not true. That's unbelief. I'm telling you it's true. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. You got to get there. You got to get the point. God says it. It doesn't matter what you, how you feel. God said it. And here is interesting. Because it says, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Now you're sitting there, pastor, everywhere in the scripture says the fear is not of the Lord. We're not supposed to fear. We're not, we see that in scripture, right? Romans 8.15. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again. To fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption. You've been adopted into his family. Adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We can cry out to our Heavenly Father because of this relationship. Hebrews 13, 6. So we may boldly say, we can boldly say with absolute confidence, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? I've got a big father. Do they not know who my big father is? My father's bigger than your father, I assure you. 
You have absolute confidence in your Heavenly Father will take care of you. So why is the writer saying here, let us fear? Because should, there should be an awe or a reverence or a, a attention because when your Heavenly Father who loves you your earthly father who loves you and you go astray and you're not listening and obeying and you don't believe what your father's telling you, there's going to be a correction. There's going to be discipline because any good father is going to discipline their child so that they don't get hurt. They need to learn to listen and obey the word of the Father. I don't know about you, but when God speaks and He clearly communicates that by His Word, we must obey, we must believe, even though we don't understand it, God knows what's best. And we take that step of faith and we do it. It's, it isn't enough to almost enter his rest. We don't want to come short of it. So that's what it means. Well, I'm, I, sometimes I'm almost in his rest. You've come up short. You should have a sense of, oh no, I don't want that. I want, his, I want to be in completely in his presence. I want to be completely in his rest. That he has offered and promised. It says right here in verse 1. A promise remains for entering his rest. So what should we be afraid of then simply? That we're limiting the Holy One of Israel due to unbelief. That was warned in Psalm 78 verse 41. Israel did not believe God led them out of Egypt through the wilderness, to go into the promised land, he said, and then you know the story out of fear of the giants, and they said, oh, we're just grasshoppers. We are not going to make it. Because of unbelief, they did not enter into his rest of his promise of being in the promised land. 600,000 fighting men, we see in the scripture, was coming across that desert. You multiply that by the wives and children. We're talking two to three million people migrating from Egypt across a desert that has nothing there for them. And God provided them miraculously food and water. To bring them to the edge to cross the river to go into the promised land. And because 600,000 plus men and then women and children... Those ten spies, the majority of the, of the people, except for two, Caleb and Joshua. Only two. And Moses, three, but he, he, he screwed up and he didn't make it into the promised land. But two were allowed to go into the promised land. Now I find that fascinating to me. Because so many people say, well, the majority says they must be right. But let me remind you, the majority is not always right. Because in this case, two, we'll say Moses as well, three out of 2.3 million people said 
this was right, and the rest of them said it was not. So what happened? That entire generation of people, there was graves all over that desert for 40 years because they never got to go into the promised land, into his rest, because of unbelief. But Caleb and Joshua did. Why? Because they believed the word of God. Did they have any more insight? They were able to go as two spies. They saw the giants. They saw the, 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 the obstacle in front of them. But their faith was mixed with God's word and it empowered them to take the step forward and go with what God said to do. They were obedient. Which brings us to verse 2, and for indeed the gospel, key word here, gospel, is not what you're thinking, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not at this point. What he's referring to is the good news, right? So for indeed the, the good news, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. There, we've been preached that Jesus is the good news. He came to save us. But they had the promise of good news. They were going into the promised land, into the being blessed by God to come into a land that was described as milk and honey. They brought back fruit that was beyond their imagination, how beautiful that fruit and all the lusciousness of that land that God said, I'm going to give you as my children. Both of them, they, those in the wilderness and, and those now, the, even the Hebrew, uh, Hebrews that the writer's writing to, uh, have been preached to, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Why? Because it was not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. And that's why we find, as I sit and I can teach the word today, many of you, because you come here with the anticipation to hear from God, now the word of God is with your faith in God, and he is going to reveal himself in this teaching. And I hear it from you afterwards. Oh, how did you know that? I didn't know that it was going in your life. I didn't know those. The Holy Spirit is moving into your life because you came with faith to want to hear from God. And then there's others who come out and say, I didn't get nothing out of that. I don't know. It was, it was a little too long for me. And, you know, was, uh, the seat can't endure that, you know. And you're just like, and you know how hot it was. And you hear everybody moving around and, you're, you're, you're thinking about lunch and you're thinking about all kinds, taking a nap again, you know. Because you didn't come with an anticipation with, by faith to want to hear from God. But the word is very clear to them. The reason why they were preached to, they heard the word of God. They all heard it at the same time, but some did not profit. It wasn't profitable. It wasn't good. There wasn't fruit coming from it because they did not believe God's word. And there's reasons why people don't believe. You're not a believer. <laughs> so you, that, that, if you're sitting there and going, I don't know what he's talking about, now, check your heart because you might not be a believer and you're not going to understand any of this. 
But if you are a believer and you're still not getting the, there could be sin in your life that you haven't repented of. You're not willing to, willing to let go. And it will grieve the Holy Spirit and will not allow you to hear anything new other than one thing you will hear today. Stop that sin now. Now, it may be not those exact words, but inside your spirit, you're going to hear those words in some form or fashion. The reason why you don't have my rest, the reason why you're not having my peace, the reason why you're not feeling like you're growing moving is because I'm putting my finger, and he will put your finger on the sin or sins in your life. And I don't have to know those. I don't. The Holy Spirit, God himself, knows those. Even the secret ones that no one knows you're doing because you're doing in secret. That's why we sang the song, in the secret place, you can come and meet with him. But he also says, I see you in your secret place. I know what's going on in squirreliness in that head of yours. I know the emotions that you can't get under control at times. I understand these things. But I want to tell you, if you come and take a step of faith to me, you will find me. The scripture says, those who seek after me will, what? Hide and go seek? Peeky boo? No. God says, you will find me. Because he's right there with open arms, ready to embrace you. So indeed, hearing God's word isn't enough. The ancient Israel heard the word of God and it wasn't profitable because they did not have the faith to believe God's word. It must be mixed with faith. Faith. You can hear the word and have spiritual experiences. You could have gone through the worship and have goosebumps and all kinds of crying going on. But that doesn't transform your life. It's only by hearing the word of God with faith. And that's very important. Because if you don't come with an anticipation, and I don't mean just Sundays. I'm saying when you're sitting there in your little lounger chair, your little, your little quiet spot in the house, and you really want to hear from God because you just, and you want to open up the word, and you, and before you start reading the word, please take the step of faith and say, God, I'm going to believe what I read. I need to hear from you. It's got to be mixed with faith. And he will use his word to speak to your heart the way he needs to. It, it is amazing how he does. Now we must be careful lest we fall to believe, fail to believe God's word. For it is only as the word is mixed with faith that it can accomplish its purposes, its promises, its blessings, the good things that God wants to happen in your life. When you take the word, mix it with faith, watch what happens in your life. Now he emphasizes this rest, and we're going to see a few different types of rest here, in verses 3 through 9. 
we see that he's going to prove there is a rest still for you and I today. There was a rest that was still available to the Hebrews that he was writing to. And where does this rest come from and why wasn't it fulfilled? So let's go through these because the writer actually emphasizes these stages of faith that was, is very important for you and I. Verse 3, for we who have believed do enter, the rest, do, do enter that rest. So there, there's a promise. Those who believe do enter the rest. You believe the word of God, you will enter his rest. There's no question. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my wrath or my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So the writer says, and he's quoting out of Psalm 95, verse 11 here, where he says, I swear in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Why? Because they did not believe in God's rest. Did not believe that was available to them because they did not believe the word of God. The very first rest we see, I believe, is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, when God, after creating after six days, six literal days, on the literal seventh day, God was complete. He says he now rests in the creation that he did. It's not like he was exhausted, right? It's not like after six days of creating from nothing into something, and now he's exhausted, okay? That's not what that means. It means it's complete. There's just complete satisfaction. It's a goodness. It's... It's righteousness. It is, he rests. And I pondered on that this week. And I said, well, where do I see it next? What does God do next? Do you know there is no other God needs to do work and then rest again? Until when? Until he gives the people, the Israel in the desert, a promise of we're going to be complete when I get you into the land. That's the next resting stop that is on God's calendar is to bring all of his people into Israel. That is his land for his people. And they, with unbelief, would not go. It's the second generation that was able to go into the promised land. And even then... They did not fully believe because they did not take over all the land that God said they were supposed to be theirs. They started and they went out and they got a lot of land and cities and stuff in Jericho. You know the stories. But they did not get the completeness of what God said was their land. And because of that unbelief, still today in Israel, they don't have all their land that God promised them. Do you see what happens to us if we only, if we don't believe, we don't even get to go to the promised land to receive the blessings and receive the promises that God has for you? But if you do have enough faith to actually go, the question is, do you still have faith to continue in his being obedient to his word to receive all that he has for you in his rest? And then we jump forward and then we see the great promise of rest when? When Jesus Christ went to the cross, what did he say on the cross? 
it is finished. The work of redemption, of salvation, was complete. It was done. It was paid for. There is nothing you can do to get it, earn it, or work it. It's done by our Lord and Savior. All we have to do is what? Say the word, one word. Believe. You just have to believe in Jesus Christ. Why is that important? Well, we're going to see because you can't go into his rest if you think you can work your way there. That means you're always working, spiritual working. Let me do something for God. I got to do this. And, oh, man, I didn't, work. I didn't pray on my knees for five hours, and I didn't read the Bible ten times today. And you're not going to work your way to the promises and the fulfillment of his rest. It's done. It's complete. My brothers and sisters, once that clicks for you, it took me years for that to click, that I don't have to go do things for God to please him. He already loves me. He already gave me his only begotten son. So whoever believes in him shall what? I'm not going to perish. I got eternal life ahead of me in heaven. But it doesn't stop there. He now pours out his blessings I just want to get right under his blessing spout and let the water come. You ever get in the shower, right? Especially this, you know, some of these big, nice hotels that they have the big spa heads, you know. And you just, you just, especially on a cold winter morning, you just want to get underneath that and just let the water, hot water, come down upon you, don't you? It's so refreshing. That's what it is. God, I just want to hear from you, and I just want to sit right underneath there and allow you just your living water to pour over my life. And give me rest for my soul. With all the turmoil going around me, let me just get in my little blessing spot. And, Ooh. I got spotted up, Lord. Forgive me. I know I should have gone down this path. I shouldn't have said this stuff. I get under the blessings and just let him wash over me and remind me that I am forgiven. That his son paid for it already on the cross. Are you with me, my brothers and sisters? Are you under this fountain of blessing of just his rest? If not, make a commitment today to believe God's word and follow him. That's it. Every day, follow him. Lord, what do you want me to do for you today? What pleases you today? I know that doesn't please you, so I'm not touchy. No touchy. I'm, I'm going to leave that alone. No, no, that person's not a good influence on me. That person drags me down a path that very dirty, like a pig in a pen said, oh, no, I'm not going to cut that off. Why? Because you don't want to be outside of the will of God. Whew, we got to get going. I thought this was going to be a short message today. Verse 4, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains, yeah, remains that some must enter it. Those to whom it was first preached do not enter because of disobedience or unbelief. So God didn't, did not create this place of rest in vain for Israel. 
He didn't say, I've got this place for you, but eh, it's not going to work out and it's no big deal. But no, to those to whom it was first preached, he had all the intentions for them to come into his, to his presence, but their disbelief, their unbelief, their disobedience kept them from going in. They failed to enter by faith into what God called them to do. And the Jews failed to enter into this rest that God had for him, but that didn't end there. He's going to continue here in the scriptures to show that it wasn't just for them at that one moment because we see 400 years later in verse 7 he says he designated a certain day saying to David today after such a long time as it has been said today you will hear his voice do not harden your hearts remember we studied that last week in Psalm 95 verses 7 and 8 of hearing his voice but then don't harden your heart against the things he's telling you that is really bad. I'm just telling you. If God's been speaking to your heart sitting here today and you're pushing him back, say, I don't, I don't need it. That's not important. I can't wait to get out of here. When is he going to wrap this up? Uh-oh, he gave me the indication. It's going to be longer than anticipated. Don't get that. Be distracted. God wants to speak to you and he wants you by faith to receive what he's telling you because he loves you. He loves you. Or he wouldn't be saying it to you. He says this promise of rest was for David as well. David wrote that in Psalm 95 that today, today's the day I receive his rest. I'm not waiting for tomorrow. I'm not going to rest on the fact that I had his rest maybe a month ago or when I first got saved. I'll rest on that. That doesn't help you. It's a daily walk in his rest. Even in verse 8, for if, 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 if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. Verse 9, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. So Joshua even understood, yes, the rest will come because we're going to be obedient and come into where God wants us to be, into the promised land, but there is more rest for even more people outside of what I'm doing here, leading his people into the promised land. There is another rest that we will find, which we now know because we have hindsight. We know Jesus went to the cross for us. We know as believers we get to come into his rest because we follow Jesus. They didn't know that at that point in time. All they knew is there was going to be rest even for other people outside of just them who were coming into the promised land. And this means that Joshua did not lead Israel into the true and final rest. Because a rest still remains for you and I. And that rest is in a person. Not in a vacation. Not in a location. The rest that he's talking about is in the person of Jesus Christ. I find that very comforting to me. Because when I was in turmoil as a non-believer, I would go to someone's house who was, became a believer... And there was something about his house that gave me a sense of peace and kind of calmed my head down, my squirreliness. So I would go, we would take up there every weekend just to go to the mountains because it was something about the mountains that will help me relax because I was stressed out. 
Let me go to the water and the ocean. Let me just get on the river because it's, it's going to help me calm down. Are you, are, you, are you with me? But let me tell you some good news today. You don't have to go to the mountains. You don't have to go to the river. You don't have to go to the ocean. You don't have to go to some tropical island down in the south to get away to find rest. Because we're not talking about your physical rest, even though you will benefit from that as well. But what he's talking about is when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, he is your rest. And it doesn't matter where you are at a moment time in this world, you can have his rest. You can't, don't have to wait for the vacation time that you've been planning for a year. And it may or may not happen because of some disease. Or weather. And it's not a location. I can only have rest if I'm in my house or in my little spot. No, you want to have his rest wherever you're going day by day throughout the day. Are you with me? Why? Because it's in the person, a relationship with Jesus Christ that gives you his rest. And you want nothing, nobody, anything to compete in that relationship between you and him. Or you won't experience rest. Verse 10. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. God created, rested. God sent his only begotten son to go to the cross to die. It's finished, rested, complete. You and I get saved. We put our trust in Jesus Christ. We do not need to continue to work to try to get God to love you or to, to bless you or to, to be with you or to have that rest. It is complete. Don't get me wrong, because once you give your life to Jesus Christ, he and you say, Lord, whatever you want me to do. He says, you know something? I've got a great work for you to do. A great work, a good work. Do, do, you, do you see the cigarette butts? They're nasty. Can you go pick those up for me so that when my people come in, they don't see the nastiness of cigarette butts? Now, I say that because that was my test when I first got saved. 20, 25 years ago, people were smoking like, you know, it was y'all one and they were flopping them down, even Christians, right? And they were just because they were around the area. But I was, I needed to go pick up someone else's nasty cigarette butts. Will you do that for me, Corey? It's a good work. And I said, yes, Lord. Got a song in my head. God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above. I repeated that over and over and over until every cigarette butt was picked up. Why? Because I, God said, I want to bless my people so they don't have to see that coming in. I only use that as an example. Whatever it is that God wants you to do for him, it's a good work. 
but don't come in. That's why when, if you're brand new, we say come and sit and rest for at least 90 days. Make sure this is where the Lord has you and you're growing and maturing. We get to know you, right? And then as the Lord shows you what your spiritual gifts that he's given you, then you just let me know what those spiritual gifts are. Tell me what the Lord is showing you, what we want to do to how to bless his people here and how you may need support to go out and reach the lost and bless those in the community. Let me know what those are. I don't know what the Lord's doing in and through your life. If he does reveal to me, I assure you I'll come to you. <laughs> because I want you to do what he's given you gifts, he's given you talents sitting there in the pew and not using those to bless the people, you're not doing what God is showing you, I'm sure. Because he's not going to take and give you gifts and talents to just for yourself. It's always for others. It's a form of love, of loving others. But it requires faith. Apart from God, you can do nothing. We know that. But we also know if it takes faith, it's of God. If it doesn't take faith, no big deal. But it will require you to stretch and do things you didn't think you'd ever have to do. We need to cease from self-justifying works. We need to stop the self-justifying works because Jesus finished the work on the cross. Jesus said it is finished. I hope you get that today. That you can rest and just breathe in and out with such joy and you get to do whatever the Lord guides you to do. And it's going to be according to his sovereign work and you will be blessed. Verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience or unbelief. So the writer here says to us again as a warning, an exhortation, so let us therefore, what? Be diligent, perseverance. This is going to take effort in regards to watching whatever or whoever will keep you from this rest, from believing the word of God, from following Jesus. These people and the enemies will come after you in every single form. Even busyness. I know the cat needs to be washed, but you really don't need to do it on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. When you know the Lord wants you to be here to hear from him. You, you protect these times. Moms, I know it's difficult. There it is. It's 6 o'clock. The kids are sleeping. You just want quiet time with the Lord. But out of 31 days this month, the day that I say that I'm recommitted to get back in the Word of God early in the morning and pray, every kid gets up, including the neighbors. And they're out playing outside your window. I understand that. But you just keep going and taking steps of faith. Keep going and trusting. God will give you the time to spend with him. You must be diligent to enter that rest. You and I must be diligent 
Diligence must be it. Because the rest is there for you. But notice this. God does not force it on you. He just offers it and puts it in front of you. You must take the step to receive it. He's not going to force you. We must choose to enter his rest. And clearly the rest is entered by faith. But it definitely takes a diligent faith to continue. This shows us that faith is not passive. I'm just going to sit around, whatever happens, happens. That is not faith. It takes a perseverance to trust in, rely on, cling to Jesus and the works that he has for you. And if we're not diligent to enter that rest and into his rest, the results will be disastrous for you as a Christian. Why? Because the writer says, you may fall according to the same example of disobedience, of unbelief. You and I are capable, if we take our eyes off the Lord and, t- and taking steps of faith, we could become unbelievers on certain things, become disobedient to what God's called you to do, and it is cause a major fall for you and I. And unfortunately, we know we have had many examples in your own life and now you've come back and you're following Jesus or you knew someone in your family who's fallen away who's I know enough about Christianity that's good enough for me and I, I've got all kinds of reasons why I'm not gonna and they finally come to the end of themselves and say that's just been excuses all these years I need to just come and just lay my life back out to Jesus there's a promise given for rest it is not the Sabbath day. I'm only worshiping on a certain day. No, no, that's the law. It's not the promised land. Ooh, if I get the big house on the hill. You know, no, that's not it. It's not creation rest. Ooh, if I can just hug a few more trees, save a few more whales. I, 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 no, that's not it. It's not the canon rest. It is Christ's rest. It's a relationship rest. And may you completely receive that you choose today Jesus.